Hello! Welcome to She Reads. This is Mashby's own book lovers podcast. So we are here today for another episode and we are going to talk about world building today. We're talking about what the setting is and how that contributes to the books we love. But it's not just me today. I'm not just going to lecture you again. Don't worry about it. I'm here with Kaylee. Hi, everyone. I'm also a fellow student at Mashby High School and I'm going to be joining Caitlin today for our little chat. Yeah. So, Kaylee. Yeah? What's your history with books? <laughs> well, it's a very weird thing, because my mom never really, like, gave me books. So all okay. the time I would have to be like, hey, can I have this? But a lot of it actually came from the school. Like, I would have a lot of teachers who'd be like, oh, I have all these books to choose from. And a lot of them are like, like you're obligated Required to read reading. them. Uh, and I never read those ones, because yeah. I hated it. But I did read a few. I read a lot about animals. Those are like my favorite things ever. Mm. Okay, cool. So today's discussion is mainly going to be focused around fantasy books because that's where world building happens most. So I think we're going to talk about fantasy. We um, are. What do we want to start with? What should we start with? I don't know. Maybe what it is. What it is. What fantasy is or what world building is? What world building what is. What world building is. <laughs> world building is basically when you create a fictional place and all the fictional characters and the cultures that go into that and to make this place feel like a real place. And there are many, many books that go into that and do a very good job. And there's also some that don't do a very good job of that. Yeah. And it's sad when that happens. We also see that in movies and we see it across all kinds of things. So I think to start, we're going to talk about history and how that plays a role in building these books. Because a lot of fantasy is based off of historical events. Yeah. I think mainly, I was looking it up earlier, because that's how I prep for these things. And Game of Thrones is based off the War of Roses, which I haven't seen Game of Thrones or read Game of Thrones. <laughs> but that we, still we do blew take my a European mind. History I class. do take Euro. And that made me laugh a lot, because I was like, whoa. I know what this is. So I think it's just interesting like that, because obviously there weren't dragons during the War of Roses. Uh, oh, of course not. As we know. Um, um, so it's interesting to see the ways that these authors take all these historical things. And there must be so much research that goes into it. You have all these research things that they have to prep to find out about what these things were doing and have it seem realistic. Because yeah. you need to make a world that feels like a real world. Especially like socially. Like it's not just like, oh yeah, there's like a king and I could just model someone exactly like that. You have to capture like, you know, the society of the era, how they think mm -hmm. and how they do things. And even when you're changing that era, yeah. you still have to like follow this path mm -hmm. to have it feel like a real world. Yeah. Because, like, you can just insert whatever you want, but, like, sometimes if it doesn't feel, like, organic enough, it can really yeah. kind of take you out of what you're reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like knowing a history is really the best place to start with world building because yeah. you need to know what's going on. Yeah, um, you need to know what you're basing yourself off yeah. of. It's a good start. It definitely is a good start, but you also, you don't want to make it... If, if you're writing a fantasy story, you don't want to make it into a historical fiction story. Yeah. You don't want to just take a history lesson. Be like, But you also... Like you can base it off of France, but it's historical kinda, like, fiction different. novels have a lot of world building in them too. Because yeah. I think the crazy thing about those books is they couldn't take place anywhere else. Yeah, you really only have like that one place, that one time. It influences the plot so much more than I think any other genres setting. Can. It can influence yeah. what's happening, mm -hmm. and I think that's really interesting about historical fiction. You want to talk about Man in the High Castle? Because I thought that's cool. Yes, um, I actually 
Well, I did buy um, the book, but it was mm. in German. Oh. <laughs> so I'm assuming you did not read it. <laughs> I, re- I read, like, the first chapter. I translated the whole thing, and I was like, oh, this is not optimal. Yeah. Um, but I've always wanted to, like, actually read the full, full thing, and I'm probably going to end up buying one eventually. Yeah. So if you don't know, Man in the High Castle follows um, the story of what would happen if the Germans and the Nazis won World War II yeah. and the Allies lost. And it basically, I believe it's set in, it's set in New York, I believe. Uh, yeah, it's set in America and kind of like the whole thing is it's not just like about Nazi Germany. It's also about Japan. Japan mm. took control of a lot of like the United States, like California and stuff in like that. Book. Yeah, in the book. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Germany takes control a lot of, you know, the right side of the United States. But there's kind of like this small area in between where like, no one really wanted so it's kind of still like a free-for-all i guess okay and so that's also just taking our little pieces of history and just going at using as a jumping off point yeah like an alternative like history yeah to like model what you want your society to look like and i think that can really stem really interesting debates of whether like these like what if kind of questions Mm -hmm. of if this happened, how would our world be different? Because I think that's like just a really interesting way to look at the world. Yeah, and it's like if you believe in like you know alternate dimensions, like yeah. something like that could exist. Yeah, and then it's kind of like just really weird to think about and to like dive into because you know you have this whole aspect of something that if one small thing changed, like it would change everything from the way that we live, and it's just really weird to think about that. You know, someone could think of these things like so intricately based off of oh what if you know for example what if nazi germany won world war ii it like changes everything about like how we think mm-hmm. and you know of course it didn't happen but yeah it's just like there's so much thought that goes into these kind of things one of the things that i first thought of when i was thinking of world building is one of its shortcomings being making up place names and character oh, names because yeah. you want it to sound natural in your culture that you've created Mm -hmm. but you also want it to be memorable so the reader can follow what's happening yeah like there are um there was this one book i can't recall what it was right now like it took me out a lot because i had trouble remembering the names of the characters Mm -hmm. the names of the places and the things that they're doing so basically i just had to remember based off of like certain characteristics like oh the group of people are going to this big city with a lot of glass okay and like other than that I, i like could not remember yeah. a thing but also like even when i'm trying to write like i don't want to be a writer in my future but i do it kind of for fun mm-hmm. like even when i do that it's like i always develop a place and these people and names are the last thing that i do yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to like because you want it to be memorable as a writer you want your characters and your places to be memorable mm-hmm. but it's so hard when you're creating something out of nothing yeah and one of the most recent examples that i can think of it isn't a book but it was in frozen 2 oh no <laughs> Have you seen Frozen 2? I know about it. Okay. I haven't actually gone So out. they go to a place called Atahalan, and the whole movie, I was trying to think of a way to remember what this place was called, <laughs> and my mind just kept going, ah, Tom Holland. Oh, <laughs> so, no. So <laughs> it, like, I have this weird kind of overlay of the movie with Tom, Tom Holland, Holland because my mind needed to think of Tom Holland in order to remember what this place they were going to was called yeah and, and I just I don't like it and like I saw this movie less than a month ago yeah. I could not tell you what the name of the like, like tribe was called yeah like I could not tell you any of that and I think that shows that like if you have a story where you aren't having memorable enough names names it can really it can, take away yeah definitely especially like if you have to think of something to remember where places mm-hmm. 
and the story takes majority of its time in that place, that's not it's very not good. good. <laughs> <laughs> Want to talk about sci-fi? Yeah. Actually. Okay. Do you I like sci-fi? I mean, I do. I haven't read any of the more like recent things, but a lot of like the beginner ones, like mm. um, like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, that yes. was kind of like the beginning, kind mm-hmm. of like the pinnacle sci-fi, as well as George Orwell. <laughs> no, no, no. That's more like well, that's sci-fi dystopia because yeah. like you know all these t- like TVs and computers, which is weird that we have. I know. And now they're actually kind of watching us. Yeah. Total side note. It is very You're freaky. Right. Or freaked out oh by God. George Orwell's Noel knowing of the future. <laughs> Okay, you know Cthulhu? What's that? Do you know who that no. wrote that? Oh my god. I'm so sorry. I'm trying to remember cuz he wrote a story about refrigeration and it was really weird cuz the refrigerator had just come out at the time. Okay. Oh, H.P. Lovecraft. There we go. Okay. <laughs> he wrote a story where a lot of his stuff is like horror, like Eldritch horror. He kind of created that genre, but it's a part of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But like one of the things that he did is so there's like a guy, he's a doctor, he lives upstairs. And he never gets injured, he never ages, and it turns out that refrigeration has kept him alive. Oh. And then once his, like, refrigeration breaks in his room, he just turns into goop. Um, okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, really short to explain. <laughs> it's kind of, like, a long, stretching thing. It's, like, yeah. the whole book. Okay. But a lot of sci-fi usually takes, like, a piece of technology that we have now and kind of extends it into, like, what would this look like in the future? Mm-hmm. Kind of like with Mary Shelley. Like, it doesn't even have to be, like, phones. It could be, like you know, health science, like with Mary Shelley, a lot of the things that she did was like, oh, you know, we figured out that, you know, electricity, if you like hit certain nerves, you can move the body and stuff like that. And so she's like, what if I did that and reanimated like a whole person? It's not possible. And this was in the 1800s, right? Early yeah. 1800s? Yeah, 1800s. I don't remember the, I think it, I think it's like the first half, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, but like this had just become a thing. They just figured this out. And so she wrote a book about it. And it's like really freaky because now like, where we are, it's like, haha, of course you can't do that. But, like, at the time, if you're figuring out, if you, like, shock certain parts of the brains and parts of your arms can move, it's kind of like, there's so many possibilities for this, and that's kind of where sci-fi goes. Yeah, I think that's really cool. But when do you think that when authors have a shortcoming of science in the same way that sometimes when they're writing historical fiction, they have a shortcoming of history? Mm-hmm. Do you think that can negatively impact a story? Definitely, because it's kind of like with like fit more fantasy fantasy things. Mm-hmm. Like obviously, if you're gonna have magic, you have to develop like a magic system. Yes, like, definitely. What can you do? What can't you do? And like with science, it's like you need to have those borders. So like, because sometimes have you ever read something and been like, oh, I thought you couldn't do that, yes, and then definitely. eventually they do something. Yeah. I feel like that is definitely something for sci-fi, but also it's science fiction. Mm-hmm. If you don't research what science is currently available now. It's kind of hard to see how it can be in the future as well as, you know, thinking of new things that could stem off of that. Like, I want people to be able to teleport. I feel like you should kind of explain how that works. Like, I've seen some things be like, okay, you know, it takes every atom in your body and rearranges them somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that works. That's Um, that's how those rules work here. Yeah. That's how we're going to follow it. Yeah. But some of them don't. They just kind of leave this vacant space of like, I don't understand enough of what's happening. Yeah. And, you know, historical fiction, like, if, you know, things like the names, if they aren't good, if you don't, if everything doesn't connect to each other, mm-hmm. it's really hard to kind of get into it and understand what's happening. Yeah. And kind of a tangent, but I feel like with time travel, mm. that also is like kind of a science fiction point that often gets messed up because it's been done so many times mm-hmm. that obviously time travel doesn't exist. Yeah. But people 
think they know how time travel works. Yeah. And so if you don't set up the correct parameters as yeah. to how it works in a certain universe, mm-hmm. it won't correlate well. Yeah, like with time travel, I think like there are kind of three main versions of yes. it where it's like if you go like you create like a loop, one mm-hmm. of them. And, you know, one of them, like, you can change things. Like, if you kill your grandfather, you'll ne- you're will you never born and then nothing ever happens. Um, and then there's one where you kill your grandfather, but you still exist because, you know, you went to the future and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one where you create an alternate universe. So in your universe, you're still whatever, but whatever you changed exists somewhere else. Yeah. But, like, if you don't establish that and then all of a sudden you're like, oh... I don't know the rules and I don't know the risks, so I can't really relate to why this character is freaking out about something. Mm-hmm. It definitely pulls you away. Definitely, yeah. Especially if it's like the main plot of a book. Yeah, that <laughs> can be like a problem. Not to go Harry Potter, but Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where they decided that they were going to have time travel rules and then they came in and did Cursed Child mm-hmm. and didn't follow their own time yeah. travel rules. And that that's I think that's why partially why so many people don't like that, that book, book is because or play, whatever. Yeah. Is because they set something up and then completely changed it. it. Yeah. And then it didn't make sense for what the setting. Yeah, the yeah. setting and the plot. Yeah. So while we're on Harry Potter, let's talk about Harry Potter and why it's a beautiful world. Oh, okay, wonderful. Um, <laughs> if you didn't know, I love Harry Potter. I'm currently wearing right. a Ravenclaw sweater. Oops. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's good to establish that the setting you just established the room that we're in. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so Harry Potter, Hogwarts is so magical, mm-hmm. and that's because I feel like in the first book, yeah, it was just a bunch of dumb things that came together, but then kind of worked. Well, they, like they kind of worked, and they kind of help establish kind of like a vibe and like a feel yes. of the place. Like you know, you can talk about you know stupid paintings and how there's like ghost people and like that's a totally irrelevant thing but it kind of establishes kind of like the atmosphere of the Mm -hmm. place as a whole so like obviously you don't want to like overdo it with little details but like sometimes these small details can really help kind of put together like kind of like a glue yeah like you can have all these facts you're able to like establish something as a whole Mm -hmm. so we have like chocolate coming to life on a train yeah or a old wise wizard being obsessed with socks or something mm-hmm. and just those little things and they come together yeah. and they make our little world and establish what we believe in this world mm-hmm. what we value in this world and what i don't know just kind of comes naturally in the yeah. world and what we think and i think that's cool yeah and like obviously it's told through like harry's perspective yes so obviously you're not going to get like like a 90 page history on what this is like from a third person like point of view yeah uh, but it's, like, everything that he's seeing and he's realizing. So, like, you can understand how he's seeing it for the first time mm-hmm. and how he's able to kind of, like, understand what's happening, especially throughout. Because, obviously, he doesn't know everything. Yeah. But from what he is able to see, it also helps us because, like, we're also visiting this place yeah, for the very first time. Yeah, we're experiencing it for the first time as he's experiencing it for the first time, and that makes it more magical. Yeah. <laughs> can you tell I like this book. <laughs> but anyway... Maybe it's just because Rise of Skywalker came out yesterday, and I have mm. not seen it yet, and I'm seeing it tonight, and I'm very excited. Ooh. But Star Wars Universe is working off their world building, and it is paying off great right now. Really? Because of The Mandalorian. Um, the Mandalorian has, like, literally nothing to do with the main, the main story of Star Wars, yet the only reason is that it's set in the same galaxy far, far away. Yeah. But it's, like, it's a great story, and it's mm-hmm. creating this whole world, and everyone's really excited about it. Yeah. Because... 
there's like little things that he hadn't hinted yeah. like baby yoda is really our only connection <laughs> to actual yoda like to an actual character we know yeah um and like we get like little hints of like imperial credits things that show that mm-hmm. the settings happening and i think that's like a really cool thing is that it's everyone's really excited to be in this world yeah that has nothing to do with the characters that we know mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with the story that we know yeah it's really just the world that they're invested yeah in. like sometimes that can be refreshing like when someone makes like a side story especially if like you know you're following this one character through his or her journey mm-hmm. like their journey and then all of a sudden you get this like whole little side thing where it's like hey let's explain more about this universe that we're currently in and like all the stuff that's going on you can also like like people get excited for that stuff because it's hey i want to know more about this stuff from like a new perspective oh maybe there's like a new planet like it's just enjoyable it's fun to learn about yeah so like experience and see how things work further in the how it can relate to what we already know and how it differs from what we already know i think yeah. that's cool I don't know if you guys have read Gemina by Amy Coffin and Jay Kristoff. It's the second book in the Illuminae series, and it's great. But not to get into spoiler, I'm not going to spoil it. Don't worry. The plot relies heavily on a space paradox, okay. we'll say, that, how do you say, is it deus ex machina? Is that how you say deus ex it? Deus ex machina. kind of manner. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really funny because it almost feels so physics-y. Mm-hmm. that the average person wouldn't believe it like it sounds made up i'm honestly not sure if the authors made it up or not mm-hmm. that it's just interesting like that because but like it works in the story and yeah. i believe it in the story but mm-hmm. i'm still sitting here having read it like two years later and being like i don't get it being like <laughs> how does that work <laughs> which props to them for yeah. having their book be memorable enough that i'm still thinking about their paradox two years later yeah but it's just i don't know something like that where it's stuff that like you can't exactly relate to yeah. but it's something that you can like understand like, on paper like you're like oh okay mm-hmm. but you're like that doesn't really like Makes how sense yeah but it does somehow mm-hmm. and that's a weird line that we're walking yeah with sci-fi of is it sciencey enough that the average person won't understand it but will get why it's important mm-hmm. or is it just wild <laughs> yeah or is it just like someone threw it in called it a day yeah so i think our next point so we're going to talk about maps. Maps. Let's talk about maps. I don't know about you. I really like maps for some reason. Like, I think they're the prettiest things in the world. I just like I, to look at maps. I do have, I think I have three maps in my room. I have a yeah. map of Italy, a map of the world, and then I have a map of the United States. Yes. I do, I do enjoy maps, like, especially because, you know, I'm not going to travel the world. That costs a lot of money exactly. and costs a lot of time. But sometimes I like just putting like little pinpoints in the yeah. map and be like, oh, I would love to go here. And like I like looking them up later, or, like doing some research on it. It's very interesting because it also helps you understand the world in which you we currently mm-hmm. live. Because um, you're like, oh, there's this place that exists and there's this people that live here and all that stuff. Yeah. So maps are in books sometimes, usually oh. in fantasy books. So yeah, I think they're really good because they kind of help you understand what's going on. Yeah. And they give you a sense of how big the world is Mm -hmm. like six of crows by lee bardugo i believe is the author and it shows this map of everywhere that we go in the universe Mm -hmm. and our main story takes place on this one island that is very small and compared to the rest of the world and i think that just does an amazing job of showing you how big this world is and how like small our little plot is and how much else that there could be going on at the same time something else is going on how much a little ripple can affect the whole world like Mm -hmm. something like that and i think that's what maps do really well in books is that it shows you what we're working with yeah and like for example like red queen it's like yes it's like one of the only like ya novels mm-hmm. i really got into for some reason at first it's kind of weird because i don't believe it had a map for like the first few books it does not and it was very weird to read because you're explaining all these places and first off as mentioned before i have trouble remembering names <laughs> and i'm also not good with if someone explains where things are to me i'm like i'll just nod my head and be like yeah but like in my mind i'm like i have no clue what's happening yeah 
So like for a while, I kind of, and then eventually what kind of sucks is if you don't start with a map, uh, I kind of imagine where things are. Yes. And then eventually a map comes along and I'm like, oh, that's not how I understood it. But it kind of is beneficial because if I didn't understand it the way the author wanted me mm-hmm. to, now I can understand where everything is and where people are going. And then there's like new countries and everything. And there are people that have supernatural powers, but there's also other countries that have leaders with these powers. Yes. And they're like attacking each other. And it's easier to understand where they're attacking each other and kind of like where the dangerous spots to be are. And it makes everything so much easier at that point. Uh, but it is a little bit weird if you don't start with one and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you insert one because it kind of like hinders the understanding of the reader prior. That was a problem that a lot of people had when the Hunger Games were made into movies. Oh. Of the author never explicitly said like where the districts were mm-hmm. and like how it like kind of shaped because it's based off North America. Yeah. But it was never like explicitly seen, like oh like, this district is how to the east. far yeah. things were from everything. Yeah. Or how and close. then when the movies came out, I'm not sure if it was in the credits or if it was like something, mm-hmm. but like a map like surfaced. Yeah. But everyone was like, oh. That's not this how. Is not how I thought yeah. this was oriented, and I think a lot of people got mad about that mm-hmm. because they like obviously it was a beloved book series that everyone just had their Own print in their yeah in their mind mm-hmm. of what they thought it looked like, mm-hmm. and then when something comes out that they don't like about that, yeah. it kind of conflicts with that. Yeah, it's kind of like the whole like the intent of the author and the kind of like theory of like death of the author and stuff mm-hmm. like that, where yeah. it's like you know someone might say something, but if I have a different interpretation usually most people will be like, okay, you know, the author, this is what their map looks like. But a lot of people are like, well, I envisioned it this way Mm -hmm. before this came out. This is like an after fact. Uh, And I'm just going to believe how I thought because sometimes it helps with comprehension more for these people. But then other times, like myself, like even if you explain something to me, I can't really picture it like well enough. Mm -hmm. And plus, I think maps help because also like distances, for example, with the Hunger Games and stuff like that, like you don't know, like these districts could be like right next to each other. Yeah, exactly. Or they could be thousands of miles apart. Uh, And it's kind of hard to understand, like, you know, how do people get along? Like, how do people know that other things exist if they're so far apart? Maybe they are really close and people like intermingle all the time. It's very helpful. It's interesting. Yeah. I also think it's good if you're a more visual learner, Mm -hmm. you can definitely understand the story better by looking at a map and seeing how, uh, oh, we were here and now we're here. Like how that relates and how long, like if you had a journey across that period of time of how long that journey actually probably took to get there. Yeah. It's like, that's interesting. Because sometimes in books, like, obviously, like, if you're writing, you're not going to be, like, three hours later. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just going to start off at the next point and be like, oh, it was sundown. Yes. And sometimes it kind of helps to have a map kind of like what you said, like, for, like, time purposes. Mm-hmm. Because, obviously, like, if it's, like, a year or so, most people will be like, oh, you know, it's been, like, a few years. Or, like, they'll have characters talk to each other. Yeah. But, like, it's kind of weird to understand, like, all of a sudden we're in this place. And I don't know how long it took to get there. And if you don't say it, then I can't. Because, obviously, traveling correlates with time. Mm -hmm. If these places are farther apart, it takes longer to get there. there. If they're closer, (laughs) you might take, like, an hour. Yeah. Uh, So it kind of helps establish that, too, if you're not using a map. Mm -hmm. It is a little weird to be like, how did we get here? (laughs) I feel like one of the most important things maps do that people don't like Mm. is sometimes they can spoil you. Of If there's a place on a map that you know exists yeah but you don't know it has importance if it's on that map you're probably going there at some point in the story oh yeah and so yeah. i think people drawing conclusions like that mm-hmm. can often be like when are we gonna get there when are we gonna get there when what are, are we, we doing get there? yeah and so it it leaves this kind of imprint that 
it shows a part of your story that you don't want to have revealed yet. Yeah. And so that's where you can have a map that like kind of detracts from what you want it to do. Yeah. The thing is like when you look at like a normal map, like obviously it's usually like the important places, like maybe mm-hmm. it's like the capital of a yeah. city. I know some maps and books, I don't remember what book it was, but like, but what some of them do sometimes is they'll just highlight important places, like even if they're not like big cities. Yeah. And you kind of have to like, it's kind of like an all or nothing thing. Like you have to do all the important cities or like all the rivers and stuff like that. But if you only do certain places, then you're like, kind of like what you said. Oh, this has importance, but I don't know why. Yeah. And I don't know when. Which also going the other way, it can just draw you in and bring, be suspenseful. Yeah. Of like, ooh, there's this wonder, place. Wonder what that means. <laughs> like, like I'm looking at A Torch Against the Night by Saba Tahir. And there's a prison at the top on the map that is oh. shaped like a skull. And so I was like, ooh, ooh funky. Are we go- who's going to prison? Like, why is <laughs> why that included? We, like, why are we doing that? So stuff like that is like, oh, that's kind of funky. Maybe it, it like kind of draws you in a little bit mm-hmm. just from like opening the front cover yeah. and looking in. Even if you haven't even read the book, it kind of can. It's kind of like the cover. Like a lot of people say, don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. But the cover is all do. Yeah, the cover is important because if you look at something, like even if you can't read the words from far away, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, wonder what that's all about. And like maps can kind of play into the same thing because you look at a map and you're like, oh, all this stuff is happening. You're like, oh, I'm interested in the way this is shaped and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Because, like, I myself, I am pretty visual. Like, yeah. if I'm explaining directions to somebody, I have to, like, draw it out. And so those things really help. And I think they also kind of help children, too. Yes. Like, yes, especially yes. for, like, younger kids. Like, even if the books aren't complicated. I remember reading a book series about, like, this wolf who was, like, abandoned or whatnot. And he was raised by a bear or whatnot. Yes. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a map. And it helped me understand so much. Because, like, he was raised in a certain spot. Then he went back to, like, the other wolf pack that abandoned him. And... He was able, like, I was able to understand, like, where everything's taking mm-hmm. place and, like, relative to each other. And it really helped a lot. Because as a kid, it's like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know where that place is. I don't know what that means. Yeah. And so you're just confused. <laughs> yeah. An interesting point that I saw was, does world building take place outside of historical fiction, fantasy, like, can it be in contemporaries? Oh, yeah. And I think, yes. Yeah. Yeah, because you need to establish setting and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important that we talk about because it's not just, it, we focus on fantasy, but it's not yeah. just in fictional worlds. Like, they can happen in our real world setting, yeah, too. Yeah, because, like, world building, I feel like just the term yes. building implies that you're making something from nothing. Yes. And usually that's kind of a lot of the case. Like, oh, like, magic systems, like, certain gods and stuff and certain, like, characters and places and yada, 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 mm-hmm. languages and then for example if i were to make a story set in massachusetts i would still have to build and create and being like you know maybe we're in a really mountainous snowy region to the west and be like all right this happens here this happens here this town is here these people live here this is how they view the world and the attitudes setting is so important yeah like just imagine reading something without a setting you'd be so lost even if it's like a character focused like story you need to establish culture you need to establish like what the community is like you need to know where they're going what their like setting allows them to what the reaches they can get yeah because like of course you can be like you know this one character this is how he views the world Mm -hmm. but it's also important to know why he views the world like that you need to know what's going on like for example maybe his parents feel a certain way and that's a part of setting yes um and his parents feel this way because everyone feels this way and they're just a part of like the same kind of group of people and Mm -hmm. they all think the same uh of course people don't actually think the same but like you know they have like (laughs) the same cultural values yes And so it's kind of important because then it also makes this one person who has a different value stand out a lot more. And you're like, oh, maybe there's something going on with Mm -hmm. that eventually later on. 
Yeah. I know over the summer I read a book that was set in Italy. Ooh. And I know very little about Italy. <laughs> I think it was set what's it, Florence? I think it was set Florence, in Florence. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even know where this, <laughs> this is. is. And then they hopped on a train and went to um Rome. Rome. <laughs> they hopped on a train and went to Rome and I was like that could be the next town over and i'd have no, <laughs> no idea. idea so like when i was reading the book i kept having to like google maps of italy just to be like how far did they actually yeah. go and that's a real world place where i could have used a map yeah like, a map in the book this would have been really helpful yeah because i do i do love italy yes. it was like one of the countries i would love to travel to and like it's kind of weird because even though i have a map of italy in my room that's like sometimes when people are talking about things i'm like oh i have to refresh myself people go to like naples and all of a sudden they're going parma like mm-hmm. that's parma's like towards milan it's like towards the top okay yes and so that, that's like a long way but even then i'm like time wise i put it in like a map i'm like napoli to parma yeah. <laughs> and then like i'll have to see like all right it's like you know like a something hour drive and i'm yeah, like okay okay now now i'm kind of setting in yeah. a little bit i'm sitting here with my book pile and one of these books in the pile does not match the others and that's the only contemporary in the pile that's the rest of the story by sarah dessen oh. and literally the setting in that book is its character of its own like yeah. it would not be that book without it and mm-hmm. i went and i picked it up earlier because i was trying to figure out which books i had that had maps and i was like this yeah. one must have a map in it yeah. and it didn't which i thought oh. was really interesting because you remember it having a map i remember the setting being so like intricate and like i know visually what this place looks like and so it was weird to me that i don't have a map in this book and you like come across like well enough Mm -hmm. that you remember having a map because like visually in your head you're like all right here's what's where yeah and stuff like that that's actually really isn't that weird yeah Yeah, that i picked it up and was like oh this is not how i remember it being but i flipped through it and i did not see a map i could be wrong but i did not see one anywhere in there that's weird just weird to think about and i thought that was interesting which also that could be that that book specifically Mm -hmm. is set up very similarly to cape cod oh and the world that like like it's like a beach town kind of like so does it take place in the world that we live in it's a fictional place okay but it's a fictional but it's based off real world earth Yeah. yeah okay oh that's so weird because i mean we can relate to it more yeah stuff like that and so i thought that was really interesting kind of a tangent um have you ever read the wedding planner's daughter have you ever read that book <laughs> no i never heard of it okay well it's set in mashpee massachusetts it's very strange oh that um, makes me uncomfortable like, i read it in like fourth grade and i was like whoa because they go and they have like zoe's pizza and then they eat it on the spit and it's very strange and you're like i've been there yeah it's like we have this world set up that you know like 99 percent of people yeah. do not know what's where this place is yeah obviously i said earlier i haven't read it does it like is it one of those books where it says, like, oh, we went to Zoe's Pizza, but it doesn't describe where? So. Or does it describe where for those that haven't lived there? No. So it's basically, it takes some liberties in, like, messing with our town. So basically, yeah. like, everything's, like, closer together. Oh, okay. Um, and, like, essentially, the protagonist's father owns the Papanasadin, which oh. is strange, but that's much closer to, like, the center of town. Yeah. So it's for cohesiveness. But it's yeah. also like, normal viewers wouldn't notice yeah. something like that. Yeah. It's under a different name, by the way. It's not yeah. called the Papanasadin. Yeah. But, but it's basically uh, it's based It's based off the Papanasadin. And so there's, it's, I don't know, it's interesting in my mind to know that I know this isn't how it actually works yeah. in the real world. But, like, but most other people, people don't. don't. <laughs> yeah. It's because when you take stuff like that, kind of going off with what I said earlier, mm-hmm. like, if you say, oh, this is the town of, I don't know, like Greensburg. Yeah. But you don't explain where that where is. is. Greensburg. But like maybe some people live there in the real world and you're like, oh, I know where it is. But you're also disconnecting like a large portion of your audience that has no clue where yeah. this is. And it's kind of hard because like, obviously, if you're writing a book that's supposed to be read 
by a large audience, and you write about a town that only has like 14,000 people, not optimal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not very good. Yeah. Do we have anything else we want to add about maps? Um, I don't know about maps. I think, I, I think I'm all good with maps. Good on maps? Okay. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else you want to add in general? Oh, I wanted to ask you. Oh, me? You make worlds. Oh, I do. Yes. Yes. Please tell me about that. Okay. It's honestly, I have a very or expansive imagination. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll tell a story to my mom and be like, oh, I did this when I was little. And my mom's like, you never, you never did any of that. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, Kaylee, I love you, but you had a very big imagination. And then I get angry because <laughs> I'm like, but it did happen, but it probably never did. But like all the time, I'll just be sitting in my room and be like, oh, what if this happened? And sometimes it does stem off of other things. Like I do play a lot of video games in my spare time. Big one, if you don't know what it is, it's The Witcher. And it is based off of a book series, actually. Okay. There are authors in Poland, so obviously translated, stuff like that. But the game itself, it kind of takes some of the main plots of the book, but a lot of times it's like its own thing. Mm-hmm. But it has a very expansive world, and it's very good fantasy. I I love it. But like a lot of times I'd be like, what if, you know... What if I create, it usually starts with gods. So I'll be like, oh, what if there's a god of blank and this is how they feel? And then next thing I know, I create like 50 people in a pantheon and stuff like that. And I create like an imaginary thing. Um, but a lot of times with creating worlds, everyone does things differently. Yeah. Uh, it's very easy to take cultures, not exactly places, but be like, oh, I want to base this off of, you know, maybe like Spanish and then, you know, Arabic, like Northern African culture, and then mix them together and kind of create like this new thing. And then that's where you start. But eventually when you're done, it is like a totally different thing. And I don't know if other people do that. That's just what I do. Yeah. Like I take things based off of like what's already here. Mm-hmm. And then I just do a new thing. Um, my other friend and I, I won't mention her name because I don't know if like she'll want me to. Yeah. Um, but we were actually talking about Harry Potter, which okay. is really funny. And we were talking about how, obviously, like with Pottermore and stuff like that, mm-hmm. like they're trying to expand the world outside the books, but yes. not really creating a new book. Yeah. Oh, there are all these other like wizarding colleges and wizarding mm-hmm. schools. But I was thinking, I was like, I feel like there should be more because there are a lot of cultures that are very heavily based, stuff like that. Like I was like, what if there's a school in Egypt? Okay. Because a lot of like ancient Egypt and stuff like that. And so we just went off and we created all these <laughs> schools for no reason. That's fun. All across the world. Yeah. We had a good time with it. We created like different houses and stuff like that. Um, like I said before, I love Italy. So I put one, I believe it was Sicily. I put one there. Yes. And I created like a whole thing, how the school works, who runs the school. I created a whole history of the school. And so you have like the houses <laughs> are based off values that are traditionally yeah. Sicilian values. Yeah. Or, like... Yeah. But also like. Because obviously I created kind of an area. So basically any country on the Mediterranean Sea. And it doesn't Fran- France has like their own school, doesn't it? No. Yes, it does. So yes. France has like their own thing. So France is not really included. Yes. One kind of like Slavic-esque school that I think it's like near Bulgaria, Russia, right? Mm, yes, there's that one. one of those, yes. Yeah, so like they don't really go there because they have their own thing. But like a lot of people like Switzerland, Greece, all these people can come here. It's just so fun. And like that's usually a good starting off point is just being like, all right, something already does exist. I'm just going to go crazy Mm -hmm. and make something that does not (laughs) exist. Like that's a part of the same world because it's very easy when you do that because there's already rules. So you don't have to create rules. But The joys of fan fiction. Yeah. (laughs) You just start and you go crazy. And then a lot of the times that can stem off into its own thing, like I said before. Um, But I did try, because I took a creative writing class with Mr. Carroll. Love Mr. Carroll. What a wonderful man. Shout out to Mr. Carroll. (laughs) Shout out to Mr. Carroll. And one of the things I started was I created a whole new world that is 
it's fantasy-esque but also kind of not Mm -hmm. like it's not like oh giant dragons but it's like what if there were birds that were big and we rode on the big birds so essentially dragons yeah just non-reptilian dragons just birds (laughs) um and you know and there's like a country like a giant empire that's invading things so that's cool that like you are able to like use your world building yeah. and that like that you love to do and mm-hmm. then you could actually like the story just kind of forms from yeah. that using classic tropes obviously mm-hmm. but just forms in its own unique way yeah. from the unique world that you made because you can't have a unique world with a story that's been done before yeah because every time you have a unique world just something naturally unique will come from that yeah and so that's a really cool place that if you're writing you can start from there and it'll make its own story yeah yeah and really it kind cool. of like builds its own self i don't know why i love it's weird like I'll create a if I create a map I can make a plot from that map. Yes. But if I have a plot it's harder to make the map. Okay. Because it's like all right I want these to be this far from each other and as I'm drawing it out like ba- very basic just being like all right borders I'm like this doesn't work it doesn't <laughs> it's not what I want it to be and it's very weird. Great. Nice. Thank you for answering my questions about that. Are oh, you welcome? Um, do you want to wrap it up now? Yeah sure. Okay so I think that is going to be it for today everyone. I hope you enjoyed this discussion about setting and the importance of it and how you build worlds in fantasy but not in fantasy yeah and like it just anything and stuff and how that helps yeah um so this is today's episode i hope you enjoyed thank you for listening um i'm caitlin boyd and this has been kaylee bye everyone oh, okay <laughs> and yeah keep on reading i'll see you next time thank you for listening